I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, the author of the Thoughts on Money blog and your host for the Thoughts on Money podcast. I am very excited today because I not only have one special guest welcoming back my good friend, Sean Latimer. Welcome back, Sean Latimer. Thanks. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. And welcoming a first-timer on the podcast, none other than Leslie Ray, the Director of Financial Planning here at the Bonsa Group. Welcome, Leslie. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. And uh, Leslie, this is her third podcast that she's recorded at the Bonson Group, but this will be the first <laughs> one that actually hits the airwaves. Yes. So maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit of your background. Um, maybe an interesting question. How did you get into finance? I don't even know that answer. Well, I studied uh, finance in college in my undergrad degree. and then Fresno State, right? Uh, Fresno Pacific University. Fresno Pacific, okay. And then I went into doing an MBA, and I was trying to find a job in finance, and um, I saw a position for a paraplanner, and I was wondering, what is a paraplanner? It would be a good step to start in the industry. And I loved it. So it was uh, basically an associate financial planner job. And well, m- maybe you could tell our listeners, too, because I, I wasn't familiar even with what that role was when I first came to the industry. I know what it is now. but The paraplanner role? Yeah, tell us a little bit about what a paraplanner does. Right. A paraplanner is a junior financial planner. So think about um, apprentice that is learning from an experienced CFP, certified financial planner, and is learning how to analyze. It's helping the paraplanner will help in meetings and will help prepare meetings, um, contact clients and assist until they are ready to move up and manage their own clients. Yeah, I like that word apprentice. So many of our classic trades that's how it worked, right? Mm-hmm. You came under somebody that was an expert. You would glean that wisdom that you couldn't get from the textbook. And then right. eventually they would pass the baton and you could take on and uh, maybe apprentice somebody else in the future, as I know you were doing today, actually. <laughs> yes, exactly what I was doing. So one funny joke that you might not know is that Sean and I obviously talk all the time. And we are asking each other questions about financial planning. And when we get stuck, what do we always say? We ask Leslie. Leslie knows the answer. <laughs> that's why you guys ask me so many questions. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. why. That's exactly why. We know if we don't know the answer that you absolutely know it, that you are our dictionary or encyclopedia when it comes to all things financial planning. So today's article was called Tailored Fit. I opened up the article with some funny stories about Trevor growing up. And these were true <laughs> stories uh, about how when I was 13 years old, I loved rap music, which is, uh, you guys laugh as you look at me, and I loved NBA basketball. So I dressed the part. I talked about how I always wanted to fit in. So I wore these shiny shoes that always had air pockets and that were probably only meant for basketball, and I wore them with really baggy jeans. (laughs) And eventually, that changed. Now, it's comical looking back at it, but in the moment, Man, I was I was so happy the way I looked. And uh, I transitioned. I, I really got into BMX racing. And when I got into BMX racing, which is bicycle motocross, they had their own style, right? So at that point, I grew up my hair. I had like a little bit of an afro. I dyed it black. I got my ears pierced. I pierced my lip. And I said this in the article. I can't believe I did this, but I stretched out my earlobes. Like I actually had these sizable holes in my ears that I wish I could go back in history and not do again. But it was this idea of that I was always trying to fit in. And then when I went to college and I started wanting to be a business person, it was no longer about Air Jordans or Afros. Uh, (laughs) Now it was about suits. 
And I had to introduce myself to this whole world of how to dress appropriately for business. So was, side note, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh, my six-year-old son, Mason, last night was telling me how excited he is to become a pro surfer and BMX rider. <laughs> and keep in mind, he's already broken his arm once riding his bike. And so I told him, I said, don't worry, I'll have Uncle Trevor show you pictures of all the missing teeth he had in his uh, his pierced lip and his purple hair. So it's making me laugh. Maybe he didn't have purple hair, but... Black, it, purple, all oh, the yeah, same yeah, difference. Exactly. So it's, it's making me chuckle right now hearing you say this. If, you know, that one common thing that people say is, oh, if I knew then what I know now, right? And I think that that's kind of the premise is it's just different. You know, what, what you want when you're 25 or 35 is going to be different than when you're 18 years old. Sometimes I joke around with people that tattoos are a description of who that person used to be. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, those things are permanent and we are kind of ever-changing. So when I jumped into this business world, and I don't know if this was a hard transition for you, Leslie, because I know uh, you probably have always been fashionable, somebody from France, known fashion. for fashion. I worked in fashion before I started financial planning. There you go. So you didn't have the same <laughs> trouble that I did. So is everyone from France fashionable and sophisticated? No. <laughs> so anyway, when you are in finance, you kind of have to dress the part. And uh, I went through some transition where I was buying kind of off the rack suits and um, I, I wanted to kind of up my game and I wanted to get custom suits, <laughs> right? Because that was the natural transition. But you guys both know me and you know I'm frugal. So I wasn't absolutely going to spend the money it needed to get a real custom suit. So I saw an advertisement where it said off the rack prices for custom suits. <laughs> that absolutely can't be true. So I end up getting all the measurements uh, up in Los Angeles. They send that to Indonesia, make the suit, send them to Orange County. I try on my first shirt um, where one arm is literally two inches longer than the other. <laughs> and I start to think of this idea is that tailors are craftsmen. Mm -hmm. And it's really important that you get the right craftsman if you're trying to get the right fit. Um, and I thought that really related to financial planning because financial planning needs to be tailored to you. So I started the article with this joke, and I won't make this too long of a story, but imagine you walk in to a tailor, uh, and he looks the part, right, Leslie? He's got the right. tape measure over his shoulder. The pin thing on his Yeah, hand. what is that thing called? I, I wanted to write about that, where you got the little uh, the cushion with the little yeah. pins in it on his hand, and you're just like, man, this guy is going to make me a great suit. And then the first thing he asks you, he pushes over a scale, and he asks you to stand on the scale, and he, you stand up there, and he starts to write down your weight. And you're like, why would he need to know my weight for creating a suit? And then after that, he just says, hey, have a great day. Your garment will be ready next Tuesday. I mean, Leslie, are you going to have a lot of confidence that with your weight, he's going to be able to create the attire you're looking to wear? No, no. So what's wrong with that? I would say thank you, but I'm good. <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> yeah, no thank you. I'm going to see somewhere else. And how I related that to finance is that there is – and I want your opinion on this, Leslie, because – I feel like, and I want to know if you agree, that there is this misnomer in finance that says the way you design a portfolio is just first by looking at how old you are. Like if you're 65 years old, that tells me 90% of what I need to know to design you a portfolio. Yes, and this is wrong, but I think it's per um, medias promote that a lot by doing articles on how much money you should have at each age and how you should be invested at each age. And I think it's only one uh, little piece of the puzzle and doing financial plans for all of you, uh, all of our clients. I can see that I really need to make them customized for each client. It's always a little different. And it's the same for portfolio design. It's different um, 
And so I think in our industry, people sometimes try to take shortcuts and make things very um, cookie cutter, and it does not work for um, for people. Well, yes. absolutely. People are always looking for the quick fix or the yeah. easy way to do it. And we talk about this a lot. What was the reason why you went with the less expensive place? Because you didn't want to spend $2,000 for a custom suit. So you tried to get one for $300. It's kind of the same thing when you look at financials for clients. You look at large firms that have thousands and thousands of clients. They were trying to figure out a solution for... Because think about it, that, that company that made you the suit... They weren't trying to uh, mislead you. They really thought that they had a, a, an affordable solution for people, but it just wasn't, it just didn't work out. Scalability and, was more important to them than customization. Right. Exactly. So it's kind of the same thing in some of these large companies that have thousands of clients that are all different shapes and sizes, but they know that we can't spend the same effort customizing for someone who maybe doesn't have the same assets or pays the same revenue as a larger client, but we have to give them some sort of solution. So how do we educate them or give them something that fits? Well, someone came up with a solution that said, we'll create these buckets based off of age because that's the best number that we can find quickly. And then that should put them at least on the right track or give them better information than they had before. The problem is uh, humans, they, they're driven by behaviors and financial incentives. So they'll go the path of least resistance. So if they think, well, okay, this worked for this person, I'm just going to start doing it for everybody because it was easy. And then that's when people start finding themselves in trouble because uh, if you don't know your client, you don't know their circumstances, you don't know their balance sheet, you don't know their expenses, you really don't know anything about them, you shouldn't be making a recommendation. Right. And, and the one thing we know for sure is life changes and life happens. And that client is different than they were 10 or 20 years ago. And those changes should be made along the way. Yeah, and also I think it's because it required time to uncover goals and uh, specificity for each client. And then some firm, it's not profitable for them to spend that much time with some client or so many clients, they don't have the capacity. And some of them try to scale with maybe online quizzes or um, automated tools that really don't work. You learn most of the things uh, from clients through conversations. So I think you guys with your clients learn a lot uh, through conversation. You're talking and then suddenly they say something like, oh, by the way, uh, we're buying a home or by the way, we're going to need so much money to go on vacation next year and then we're going to make adjustment to uh, their finances. And uh, if you don't take the time, then you can't make a, a good recommendation for your clients. That's so true. Trevor, how many times have you had people fill out, you know, those risk questionnaires where they say one thing and then when you talk to them, they're completely different? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think that is, I don't know if this is fully aligned with what you're saying, but it's almost like what Steve Jobs used to say when he talked about how he didn't like focus groups because what were people going to tell him that they wanted a smaller and faster phone? He already knew that, you know what I mean? He was going to mm -hmm. show them what they wanted. Um, and I think risk questionnaires can be relatable to that because I know people will lean towards, oh, I'm moderately aggressive, right? Because yeah. they want to be somewhere in the middle. They don't want to be polarizing on one side or the other. But you really, like Leslie said, you need to have a conversation with them. You need to pull on that thread to kind of see, hey, for your situation, the best fit is X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And if you're a firm or an advisor that's trying to serve 500 clients, it's not realistic because you can't spend the time with them to do that. And, and I make a joke in the article to say, hey, if you only give me your age to design your portfolio, you might as well just give me your weight. Because <laughs> both of those facts are about just as good to me for creating a portfolio. So then I wanted to transition to say, okay, how would somebody really tailor a suit? Um, and, and I said there would actually be two 
measurements or two metrics or two things that they would be looking at, one being quantitative and one being qualitative. And we're sticking with the suits, right? We're sticking with this analogy. Quantitative, what do they need? They need your measurements, mm-hmm. right? They're going to go around your chest. They're going to do your arms, your inseam. They're going to do all these particular measurements to see what size are you specifically. But that alone is not enough to create the suit that you want, right? There's qualitative factors. Mm-hmm. Sean, how do you want this thing to fit? Are you somebody that likes the cuffs to rest on your shoes, or are you somebody that likes high waters? I know. A great I, question. Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it's a fashion right now. I, I'm not the high water guy, but I know that uh, it's very trendy right now yeah. to show your socks and have the, the cuff a little bit higher, or maybe somebody wants a slim fit versus a traditional fit. Right. So these qualities. But not too slim. Not too <laughs> slim. <laughs> this is reminding me of an episode of The Office, but uh, we won't go there right now, where he's wearing a, a suit that is actually a woman's suit, uh, Michael Scott. <laughs> That is called a mystique or something of that nature. <laughs> Funny episode. Go watch it. Anyway, um, these qualitative factors, they matter a lot because it's your preferences and your style. And how does that translate to finance? Again, quantitative and qualitative. The quantitative uh, factor or metric that we need, it's not age. It's expenses. Yeah. Right, you have to look at expenses relative to the portfolio. When those expenses are going to occur, are they recurring? Are they one time? And then you can begin to design a portfolio where expenses is actually the most important metric. On the qualitative side, those risk questionnaires do come in handy yes. for conversation pieces, right? Because then you can start to look at, oh, this person has a preference or a style or a comfortability around volatility or what they want to see from the portfolio. Clarity is so important from a financial planner to set expectations on what will the income production be from this portfolio? What will the volatility, right? People don't want to be surprised. Right. I 100% agree. Something that might be related is I often read online, uh, you need a million dollars to retire or two million dollars to retire. And what I always tell my husband, a little mad when I see that at home, this is not the matter. The matter is how much you spend, right? Because right. if you have a million dollars and you spend a, a $200,000 per year or $300,000 per year, that may not do it for the next 30 years. But if you spend $20,000 per year, maybe it would work for you. Right. So it depends on income, expenses, goals, uh, peace of mind, and um, really has to be, that's why we say it has uh, several metrics and needs to be tailored for each client. And it changes over time, like Sean said earlier. Um, clients that are 30 today and building their families, maybe buying property, establishing their self won't be the same as when they are 50 years old or 60 years old and they are in a different phase of their life. And sometimes it can be backwards, yeah, right? Sometimes exactly. when you're young, you actually might need a conservative portfolio yes. to acquire the properties and things that you want to do. And maybe when you're older, if you have a portfolio that absolutely dwarfs your expenses, you maybe have the ability to be a little bit more aggressive. I know you and I, Leslie, both read a lot from Kitsis mm-hmm. and Michael Kitsis, kitsis.com, if you wanted to check it out, writes a lot of articles about financial planning. But one of the things that he talks about is these glide path 401k plans that basically take you to more conservative portfolios as you approach retirement, yes. age-based portfolios. He's actually saying, once you get to retirement, you should actually ratchet that back up because right. you need those equities in your portfolio to basically offset inflation. Yes, because at this point, your portfolio is basically all in bonds almost, and you're not making any money. You're barely beating inflation. So um, 
at some point you need probably to, not beating inflation yeah maybe not and you need to build you need to have equity to to build up your your monies to sustain your retirement and um, it's the same thing about um, people that are doing this glide path the age based and it makes me think about the bucket strategy from um, Kitsis has articles on it as mm-hmm. well but it's a well known strategy for us and it's uh, uh, someone that has maybe a short term goal we could create a different allocation for that goal and then the rest of their retirement money is maybe allocated more aggressively because they have a longer uh, period of time to grow but uh, maybe for buying a home we can set aside a specific account uh, with a more conservative allocation so um, there's less volatility there etc. Yeah, I think you're right. It's basically earmarking these buckets of money mm-hmm. for specific goals. And again, that clarity uh, allows you to really align the investments with the planning. Yes. And so that's important. We I work hand in hand with uh, Trevor, Sean, all of the advisors in this office. And um, um, by doing plans for them, I uncover client goals. And a lot of time, um, I have little tidbits of information to transmit to them and say, check with your clients on this or that point, because I I think it's something new for them. And maybe it's worth revisiting their portfolio or the plan for them. Yeah, just last week, you sent me a message and said, hey, this client probably should refinance their mortgage. I sent them an email. And back and forth all last week, we've been working with a lender to refinance that mortgage. So that absolutely makes sense. Sean, maybe you could tell us a little bit about I'm going to tee you up to say, what is the classic, quote-unquote, retirement portfolio? What do those weightings look like? 60-40. Yeah. And that's kind of just, it's the industry norm. It's, what is it? It's 60%? Equities or stocks and 40% bonds or fixed income. And that's not one size fits all, right? No. It's it's kind of like we were talking about. I was thinking about it as you were discussing the target date funds. When they put the money in the target date fund 10, 20 years ago, it seemed like a really good solution. It's going to automatically adjust the risk as you get closer so you don't have to think about it. But 20 years ago, we didn't know that we were going to be in a really low interest rate environment where bonds are paying almost nothing and not going to be pacing with inflation and definitely not going to be paying enough income to cover your expenses. And that generation is coming from an environment where mortgage rates were double digits, but Mm -hmm. also checking accounts were paying double digits in interest rates. Or CDs, yeah. Or CDs, yeah. So you, you look at it and you think... Well, we're in a different environment now. Things change. I was also thinking about this. Isn't it amazing how a lot of people look at the finance industry as what you learned when you're in school or years of experience and how important that is? I I kind of argue the opposite because I feel like every day I learn something new in our industry. And maybe, Leslie, you can speak to that because, you know, you're constantly researching planning Mm -hmm. and taxes. And I can't tell you how many times Leslie will send out an email of a new CARES Act provision or an IRS guidance that this change or that change, it is always changing. And it's pretty amazing. Maybe you can touch on that. Yeah, and industry is always changing because it's related to insurance, taxes, estate planning, um, personal, everything around personal finance. And so in those fields, they have change of roles, which affect financial planning, affect how we invest clients and if we keep the philosophy that we had 20 years ago to invest client today in today's environment um, it's not gonna work so for example estate planning um, it's changing okay the the limitation of how much money you can have before you get um, estate taxes changes and so if we just say we set it and forget it 
um, and we did that 20 years ago, we'll be in trouble today. We can cost money to our clients. And it's the same thing with every area of financial planning. We always have to be on top of what's going on. And it's uh, really relevant with um, today's environment, the new rules. And so part of my role at TBG is to uh, work with all the um, the advisor regarding new rules and new guidance from IRS and everything new that comes out um, and to help with uh, clients as well on that end. So you guys don't recommend that I grab my wardrobe from 20 years ago and show up to work like that? I do. I think you should. I think you should, and then we should post <laughs> Very that casual picture. Fridays. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I'll wrap us up here because I did want to create a visual a little bit for our clients. And kind of the, the premise of this article for me writing it was really to say that age is not the important metric that you should look at, but it mm-hmm. is expenses. And the illustration I gave is imagine somebody with $5 million dollars that has expenses of $100,000 a year, right? So I have $5 million built up in my nest egg, my savings. I'm ready for retirement. My real, my lifestyle, I paid off my house, everything. Like I, I really just want to spend about $100,000 or $120,000, $10,000 a month. We'll say $120,000 a year. Well, then you do the 60-40 portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, 40% of $5 million, you got $2 million in bonds yeah. at a time when historical interest rates are at an all-time low. And then all of a sudden, you look at that, in relation to your expenses, so my $120,000 a year with you know $2 million in bonds, I have set aside 17 years of expenses. So I've set up this ultra emergency oh, yeah. fund. And what that's going to do, it's going to put a drag on my returns. And that's not to say that, hey, the, the most important thing when it comes to financial planning is to maximize your returns. It's not. But you need to consciously know that if you designed a portfolio that way, that's the result that you're going to get. And that's where in the article, I'm going to encourage our listeners to go read it. Uh, We'll talk about the qualitative side where beyond even those metrics Mm -hmm. of designing the portfolio, your personal preferences matter. And if you've always had a desire to pay off your house, that might be more important than what the financial calculator will tell you. So we ended the article saying kind of like this uh, a daredevil <laughs> doing these huge stunts, like jumping these things. Like the TV has to tell you, like, do not try this at home. <laughs> and my encouragement to our readers is do not try this at home, right? You should have an expert craftsman, a financial tailor that you trust, that does great work sitting alongside you in this portfolio design process. The portfolio design process should be complemented by the financial plan that Leslie will make for you. Hmm. Um, And this should be a collaborative process to make sure that it is the fit for you. And that's why it was so analogous with somebody who would be tailoring some sort of custom attire for you. Makes sense. That's a great closeout. Yeah. I like it. Well, we have exciting news. There's a new email address so that I don't have to say my email address and your email address every week, Sean. If you want to email us, you can just email us at Tom at thebonsagroup.com. Nice. Surprise to Sean, he didn't know that. I did not. Uh, please email us any of your questions or comments. We would love to make an introduction to Leslie uh, or Sean or any other way that we could help you out. Um, we are here to help. We will ask a favor from you if you would be willing to rate the podcast and leave comments. We'd really appreciate it. And, of course, we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. money. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> it's okay. 
Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.